God, would you speak to us? God, would you use your word? God, would you give us exactly what we need? God, would you show us why we're here? Would you show us why you came? God, would you move us to action? God, would you meet to those who are hurting this morning? God, would you meet with those who need encouragement? God, would you pour out your spirit? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Matthew 1, verse 18. Part 1 of the Christmas story. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now let me pause for a second there. Who is the Holy Spirit? It's God. Okay, third person in the Trinity, God. This isn't a normal child. This is an extraordinary child. Who is this child? And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen. Amen. You see, last week we learned about a fundamental problem within the hearts of all humanity. In Ezekiel 34, if you want to turn me with, there, with me there, we're going to do a lot of Bible today, so you better have your Bibles out. We're going in. We are going in. Come on. Ezekiel 34. It's go time. See, in Ezekiel 34, we have this prophecy where God speaks through the prophet Ezekiel to the shepherds of Israel. The shepherds of Israel are the religious leaders. And we have this situation where the people of God are struggling. That their lives are falling apart. They have been exiled from their home. And the very people that God had assigned to minister to them and through them were not doing their job. So the people of God had a broken relationship with God. Their relationship was so dependent upon the shepherds of Israel. And since they weren't doing their job, there was a, a break there. Here, though, we see that there's a deeper problem than just that. That within all of humanity, 
there's this fundamental need that we need God's presence in our life. That apart from God himself, we fall apart. And there's no person, no matter how religious, who can be a substitute for that. That we need God himself. And that we need a relationship with him. So as a solution to this problem, God gives a promise. And Pastor Mark talked about this promise last week. If you go to verse 15, God gives this promise. He says that I myself, I myself will shepherd. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. And I will bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong, I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. So what is he saying? That he's coming. That his presence will once again be with man. That he himself would be here. Because he knew that apart from God in our life, we fall apart. We need him. And a religious system or religious people can't substitute for God himself. Amen. So we have the Christmas story. Amen. The fulfillment of this promise that God himself would come. And he would come in an unusual form. He would come in the form of a baby. In a person, they probably didn't have binkies in the first century. Sticks. <laughs> Sticks. They were made out of clay. <laughs> or wood. <laughs> oh, that'd be awful. <laughs> so we have the Christmas story that I read to you. That the virgin would bear a child and his name would be Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Blows my mind. And I think that we lose sight of what this actually is. You see, we're entering into the Christmas season, right? 19 days. Who's excited about Christmas? See that? Christmas is when God became a man so that we might have a relationship with God. That is the most exciting thing in the entire universe. But we've lost sight of that. We have a universe that is 98 billion light years in size. Massive. Huge. That this entire universe was spoken into existence by a God who is extraordinarily powerful. John 1 says this. Says in the beginning was the Word. 
And the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, this word that John's talking about is Jesus himself. That Jesus is God. He is the second person of the Trinity. That he is fully God. And he's called the word because John is referring back to the beginning of time when Jesus spoke the whole universe into existence. In Colossians, it says this. This is about Jesus. He is, the he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and what? And for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The fact that your atoms in your body stick together, the fact that they don't just blow apart is because he's holding them together. Amen. He's holding together the fabric of all existence. That's how powerful he is. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, for in him, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. We have God himself taking on the form of, of a man, the God who made the entire universe subjecting himself to a human frame. Think about that. That he was a baby. That the Father sent the Holy Spirit to fashion in the womb of Mary a physical body that Jesus himself would unite himself to? Why? Why would a God so magnificent, so powerful, so amazing do such a thing? The next two weeks, we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be fleshing this out to try to begin to understand. Let's keep going with John. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him there was not anything made that has been made. So God, Jesus, God, became man. He made himself vulnerable. Think about that. He didn't have to come down and be in a baby. He didn't have to experience hunger. He didn't have to experience tears. He didn't have to experience pain. He didn't have to come to a people that would reject him.
but he did. Why? Because in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. You see that apart from God, this world falls apart. Apart from God, our lives fall apart. That he is the light, and the light is the life of men. That we are like a plant. That you can take a plant, and you can put it in soil. And it can be the best soil. It can have all that it needs. Potassium and nitrogen. And have water. And you can put that plant in a nice little pot. But if you put that plant in a box, covered on all sides, that plant's going to struggle to survive. It's going to strive to grow. It's going to strive to try to use those elements, those ingredients that are in its life to exist. But eventually it's going to shrivel up and die because it needs light. You ever put your hose on the ground in the summertime and leave it there for a while and then you pick it up and you look at the grass underneath what does it look like what color is it white it's white why is it white this is a phenomenon called chlorosis that the plant okay it's it doesn't have this fundamental thing it needs it doesn't have light so it's striving it's struggling to survive, so it tries to grow with all of its might, tries to grow and get out from underneath whatever's blocking it. So it puts all of its energy into growth, okay? And eventually, though, if you leave that hose there long enough, it turns brown because it dies. We are like plants. We can have all the necessary ingredients in this life. We can have a job. We can have a family, we can have friends, we can have money, we can have lots of guitars, we can have a nice car, <laughs> we can have a nice car. Yeah. all the necessary ingredients for life. But without God, without a relationship with God, without the presence of our God in our life, we fall apart. We shrivel up and we die because he is the light of life. Jesus became vulnerable so that we might have access to that life. So that God's presence would be accessible. It says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. We're going to talk about him a, bit, a little bit. I'm going to put him outside. Verse 9. The true light, Jesus, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive. Think about that. You're a raise your hand if you're a parent. How much does it hurt 
when your kids reject you. It's awful. When I became a believer, I, I remember sitting down with my mom. and I said, Mom, I want to do a Bible study with you. And so I just picked a book. I didn't even think about it. I sat down with her, and I sat down with the Gospel of John. And we started reading through it. And we hit that. We, hit, we got to that section. And I started to cry. Because I realized how much shame I had brought to my mom for the things that I was doing in my life before I knew Christ. And I reckon, remembered all the times that I, that I got in yelling matches with her. And all the times where I said, I hate you. And all those nasty things that I said because of the sin that was in my heart. That she was the one who formed me and made me. She was my mom. And I rejected her. But she didn't go away. She kept pursuing me. She kept loving me. Just like God. She was always there for me in my life. She went to every wrestling match I ever had. She went to every cross-country race I had. She went to all my tennis matches. When I forgot my lunch at home, she would, at school, she would bring my lunch to school. That my mom was always there for me and kept pursuing me with her presence because she knew that I needed her. In the same way, though we reject God, he keeps pursuing us. That he was willing to come and make himself vulnerable and, and enter in to the, to the body of a man. Now, if you can't get to the truth that he did this, think about it. If he can make an entire universe, how is it a hard thing for him to enter into the form of a man? Okay, think, okay I just had to say that because you know, some people doubt this. But if he can make a universe that's 98 billion light years in size, I think he can become a man if he wants to. Okay, so... He made himself vulnerable, subjected himself to this because he knows that our lives fall apart without him. He knows that we need him. He counts us as valuable. He pursues us. He longs to be in our life and for us to acknowledge him as our God. And it says, came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You know, I think about Christmas time, there's two types of people. They're the ones who get really excited about it. Okay, like my wife, she'll start listening to Christmas music in July. <laughs> right? And then there are those who, Thanksgiving, man, they have that tree up before the turkey makes the refrigerator. Right? And they're just so excited. They get the calendars up and the candy and the lights and they're just like, woo, like Griswold, you know? <laughs> They love it. Then there are others who struggle with Christmas. Because Christmas reminds them of what is lacking in their life. It reminds them of the love that is not there. It reminds them of broken relationships. Broken relationships with family. Broken relationships with friends. It reminds them of a loved one that they might have lost. 
It reminds them of work deadlines that they might have to meet. It reminds them of something that is lacking. And especially for those who don't know God or have God in their life. It's a time of pain. It's a time of hurt. Why is it a time of pain? Why is it a time of hurt? Because they get, most of us, all of us, struggle with this, that we form our identity based upon what we have, based upon what others think of us, based upon what we do. Not that we are children of God. See, it's through Christ becoming vulnerable, making God's presence accessible that we learn who we are, that we are children of God. And there's hope in that. There's hope in that in spite of what we are facing because our whole world can be falling apart, that we can lose our loved one, we can lose our mom, we can lose our dad, we can lose our job, we can lose everything in our life, but we can still have joy because we have the creator of the universe as our God. We have a personal relationship with him. You cannot take him away, and we have him for all eternity. Now that is hope. Now that is what Christmas is all about. And that is something to get pumped about. Because God is amazing. God is so amazing that he'd be willing to come down and come into the form of a man so that we might have a relationship with him, that we might be called children of God. Now that's not always how it's been says this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now this word dwelt is the word tabernacled. And this reminds us of a different time. This reminds us of the time past in the Old Testament. Now in the Old Testament, God's presence, I'm going to use a big word here, manifest presence, his concentrated form, like that orange juice you buy in the freezer at the, at, at the market that doesn't taste good in the little canister. You have to like, you know, dump it in and put water and put water. Well, you don't have a lot of money. You get to drink stuff like that. All right, so we all in there. Juicy juice, right? The concentrate stuff. It's gross, but you know, it's still orange juice, kind of. So in the Old Testament, God's manifest presence, his concentrated presence. Yeah, it was in the midst of this culture and this society, the Jews. But... It dwelt in a building. That there was a first a tent of meeting called the tabernacle, and then there was a temple. That his very presence came down and it dwelt in a building. Why? Well, that building was a holy place. That it was made holy through ceremonial sacrifices. That God is a holy God, and where he dwells needs to be holy. Okay? Sin cannot be in his presence without him judging that sin. That holy place, that holy space, that tabernacle, that temple, actually protected man from God's presence. Because if sinful man went into the presence of holy God, he would die. Because sin cannot be in his presence. He needs to make things right. That's what he does. Because he's just. He's a holy God. So he had this religious system where God's presence really wasn't accessible. 
There was only one person once a year that could go into the Holy of Holies where God's manifest presence was, the high priest. And even he sometimes died too. So he had sin in his life. So God's presence wasn't accessible. But it says that, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So you have Jesus, his physical body was without sin. It was holy. That God himself dwelt within this frame. That his holy flesh, he lived a sinless life. It made God's presence accessible. His sinless body shielded man from the wrath of God. So much so that even a prostitute could come up to Jesus, kneel down before him and wash his feet with her tears. Jesus became vulnerable so that God would be accessible. So we could all come to him and have a personal relationship with him no matter what we have done. He shields us. That gets me excited. Can I share something kind of nerdy with you? I got a couple of minutes. I thought this was kind of cool. Okay. So the word for tabernacled in Greek, if you don't want to hear this, just go like this. It's the word skenu. Skenu. And uh, it has three consonants in it. Okay. Uh, S, K, and N. And then in the Old Testament, uh, the word for the glory of God is Shekinah. Watch this now. There's three consonants in that. S-K-N. The very presence of God, the Shekinah glory, the presence of God was inside of Jesus. And he went out and brought that wherever he went. He brought it to the broken people. He brought it to the people whose lives were falling apart. He said, I myself will shepherd my people. I myself will go to the broken ones. And I will bring God's presence to them and they will find life. God became a man. God became vulnerable so that God's presence would be accessible, so that we might have life. Now, here's the challenge for us, okay? God, watch this now, this is great, okay? Jesus' body, okay? It's the temple. When Jesus died on the cross, okay, there was the physical temple still existence. Symbolically speaking, When he died on the cross, there was this curtain which separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place and the rest of the building. When he died on the cross, that went ripped in half. And then, even more so, what did he do before he ascended into heaven? He poured out the Holy Spirit on all flesh so that we... Watch this now, that we are little tabernacles of God, that those who believe on him have God's presence with inside of them. So as we go about, we bring God's presence with us. Let me ask you a question. How vulnerable are you? 
so that others might come to know the presence of God through you. So much so that a prostitute would wash your feet with tears because of the forgiveness that you showed her. God is calling us to die to ourselves so that others might know him through us. That we have God's light inside of us. This passage says that, I was told you I was going to go back to this with John. It says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him that he was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. It says he's not the light but Jesus is the light. Okay, watch this now. Watch this now. This is before Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit. What does God say about us now? That we're the light of the world. Now we have this responsibility to go out and let our light shine before others that they might see our good works and give glory to God which would lead to a relationship with him so that what? So that their lives would stop falling apart. So that they would have light, which is the life of men. So that they, when have, having all of the ingredients of life that I talked about, like a plant, so that when the soil's right, when there's water, which is the spirit, there's nutrients, right? We have work and jobs and family and friends and all the good things we need, that that box is, is picked up, is lifted off, and the light of Jesus Christ shines on all people that they might thrive and become what God made them to be Amen. in the image of God. Yeah. That's what Christmas is all about. That God came into the world in the frame of a man so that we might have a relationship with God and have life abundant. Are you excited about Christmas? That is what the world needs to hear. That is what the world needs to see. That is what the world needs to know. They need to know the God who made them, who became in the form of a man, so they might know life eternal. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to invite up the New York Mission Strip team. You guys here? Is anyone here from that? Or are they not here on this one? We have a few? Come on up. I just want to pray over you. So we have, we have a team that's going to New York City, okay? And they're going to be light in the, in the city to share the love of Christ, to share the word of God. And we're going to commission them and pray over them. So if I have any uh, elders that are here, if you want to come up and, and pray. Um, Elaine, you want to come pray? <clears throat> we have 31 that are going, huh? Yeah. Wow. Amen. A blessing. blessing. <clears throat> God, I just pray over this team. Lord, I pray that they would be light and life, God, that your spirit would... Fill them to the brim. God, that they would go to that dark city and bring the light of Christ. That others might see their good works and give glory to God and find hope. God, that they might encounter you, the one who made them and formed them. God, we commission them and send them. Keep them safe. God, guard them. 
and make their work fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 